everybody welcome to the collective we have another awesome show for you today um but before i go anywhere before we do anything what is even going on looks looks what is happening look at Which that way hair. should i move it i don't even know it looks like it got styled by a hand grenade it's ridiculous uh yeah could be could be looks like you just took like a thunder flash to the face i don't you yeah. could do the comb over and kind of look like the uh it, the unabomber what is even going on <laughs> where's the toque man i don't know <laughs> looks, so. looks, i look like some sort of mad professor right <laughs> you look like that uh that uh, theoretical physics dude that just like comes running out of his office like oh, I just oh yeah for sure quantum mechanics um <laughs> uh, well while he's fixing his hair first off make sure everybody <laughs> likes subscribes and uh hits the notification bell because we are gonna have a great chat today i have some topics good some very top very good topics oh winter storm morning morning i haven't seen you a bit buddy yeah it's been a while it's been slacking not following us, not watching every show. I mean, really How embarrassing, right? So I have a few things, but we can go into story time. We can go into questions from the interwebs, or we can go into philosophy right off the bat. Which one? Um, I would say questions from the interwebs. I just did a little bit of low rent philosophy with Jason Sabagovich. Saw that over on my live chat. Seems like a good yeah. dude, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. we'll get him on here. He'll yeah, we'll be able sure. to have a good long chat. Good. Um, so we'll go for the questions from the internet. So I don't know if anybody saw it on the Instagram. I put up uh, on my notes if anybody has any thoughts or questions or things that they want to discuss. And I figured, hey, ask the world, right? And if they want to hear us talk about something, they'll tell us. And I so I got, I got this really good one right off the bat. Are you ready? Oh, you got it? one right away? Oh, yeah, right away. Oh, nice. Um, here it is. The fear of transitioning out of the forces and the unknown of what you want to do next. And I thought that was a great topic for for discussion. He goes he goes a little bit into it. I won't go too deep into that one right now because that's more. It's an old friend of mine that is now. He's got. Uh, he's just finishing up twenty two plus years in the forces. Jack. And, People are asking him, like, oh, what are you going to do next? Are you going to go to school? Are you going to go do these things? Are you going to do blah, blah, blah. And he's sitting there just like, I don't, like, I don't, I don't even know where to go. <laughs> Doesn't even know what to start with. Um, so let's dive into it. You did 20, right? You did 20 some odd years? 20? No, nope, I only did 13. Only did 13. You know, I actually want to, I have to say, this is something that I've had to get out of my uh, vocabulary when talking about time in the military. I know. I said only. Only and just. Yeah. And it is something that we need to step away from, I think, because I all time of service. Is as soon as I said that, I knew I'd blew in it. Yeah. So Botched. Got to keep you accountable. You dummy Again, Sean. Warrant officers got to be uh, healthy. <laughs> the master corporal keeping the warrant in check. Here we go. Please do. Uh, you wouldn't be the first. That's right. And so here's the, uh, the, the issue. I mean, for myself, getting out after eight years, I was looking forward to getting out because I was pretty tired and pretty done, pretty burnt out. But for yourself, you what was your what was that initial like it's time to go? What was that feeling like? Oh, it's I mean, there was it was challenging. Yeah. For me. I mean, yeah, it was challenging because I was in JTF too. <laughs> and I mean, who wants to leave that? Yeah. So it was challenging. The The transition out of the military to the civilian world as a veteran was challenging. 
And that's why I had to throw down a four inch thick steel wall that snapped shut right behind me mm. as I stepped my first step out on the civilian street. And I did not look in the rear view mirror. That's what pushed me forward as hard as I pushed forward is the mm. fact it's not that I burned. I didn't blow all the bridges behind me or burn the boat so that you can't, you know, evacuate in the boats or whatever. It wasn't any of that. It was just, I put a do not look back protocol in place. I only looked forward and that was the only way that I could manage it. That's a great point. And sorry, I, I, I sorry. No. I said, that's the only way I could manage it. <laughs> There's many ways I could have managed it. But that's the only way I could manage it at that point, because that's the only thing I could think of to do at the time in order to move forward. Yeah. I didn't have a handbook. There's no one telling me, try option A, B, C, A, B, C. I didn't have any of that. I just sat down and thought, how the hell am I going to do this? Mm -hmm. What I came up. So here's a question for you then. What was the, uh, what was the mind... The process, I guess, the mindset, the process of going, you know, I'm, I'm doing this awesome work. I'm having lots of fun. This is good stuff. Was it, I want to do something else or was it, I don't really want to do this anymore. Like, was it to seek elsewhere or just to get out of where you were? Yeah, it's a good question. And there was a number of things going on at the time. And so, I mean, one of the reasons was my marriage was collapsing because i was hardly ever at home because of this because of that all kinds of things hard to explain to your wife when you come back and she says where were you and you say how's how's the lawn yeah where are you going next do you know what the weather's going to be like tomorrow <laughs> and so you know it i did i manage it the best no i didn't a am i an idiot always but it was just one thing of many things combined that made me choose. I've got to bounce. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, uh, that's a tough one. The family life. I mean, within the reg forces, the, I don't want to say the divorce rate, but the, uh, the, I guess the failure of relationship rate is quite high. And I can imagine every time you step up, a tier when you're gone longer you're gone you're more part of that team than the home team it becomes harder and harder and harder to maintain relationships at home when you are never there yeah so, and i was hardly ever there yeah <laughs> i can imagine <laughs> the um the one i guess the further question in here the i guess the deeper question is at least what i've read from this is that he doesn't really have any answers. And I, you know, one of the things I told him was that that's okay. You don't have to have answers. You just have to have, be willing to start trying stuff. But you don't need answers. You need questions. Questions. There you go. That's it. And I really like that. But for those that are struggling, that are seeking an answer or a location or like, I need this or that or the other thing. I used one of your colloquialisms. Perfect. It's working. <laughs> uh, it is. In order to, let's say, to get over that hump of where you kind of get 
paralysis by analysis when you're like, well, I, there's, I could, uh, there's so many options and maybe the, uh, it, 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 then what? Where do you yeah. Go? So, you know, I think the, something I was talking about yesterday in my live chat was get out in nature, mm -hmm. sit down. In fact, I describe meditation as such because I wasn't, I'm, I, I'm still not a guy who thinks I meditate though. I do. I just don't call it meditation. And so in my live chat yesterday, I actually described how to meditate. And I took some time. It's about, I don't know, maybe a 40 minute long conversation about who are you? And so this is absolutely relevant to your pal now who's struggling with not who he is right now, but who he's going to be in the near future. Mm -hmm. Before he jumps into the unknown, before whatever he chooses, whatever career or hobby or path or solution, get to know yourself. And most people don't know who they are at their core. They just don't know. They know what they can do. I can blow things up. I can climb buildings. I can go down buildings. I can fly planes. I can jump out of planes. Everyone knows things. Everyone does do. Mm -hmm. But not many know who they are. They know what their label says. I'm a mm -hmm. pathfinder. But that's not who you are. That's just a thing from the history books. It's not who you are right now. And that's the trick. Most people don't get in touch with their now. And so that's the very first thing that he should consider is getting in touch with himself at a deeper level. Contemplate who he is and contemplate what he wants. Contemplate what he likes. Contemplate what he doesn't like. But not just in knee-jerk sort of senses. You know, I hate when that guy at Tim Hortons dot, dot, dot. That's, that's not deep contemplation. Mm -hmm. That's just lashing out at all of the white noise stuff. You got to strip out the white noise. You got to sit down. And you got to start thinking contemplatively. So how I described how to do that, I don't know if you heard it, but the paraphrase right at the end was this. I've been doing this a while, but I haven't been doing it long enough that I know exactly how to do it all. I can't describe it. I can't be a meditation master and explain to anyone else how to meditate because this is how I will tell you how to meditate. Put your boots on, go walk out into the bush, sit on a tree stump and shut up. Mm -hmm. That's meditation, man. Shut up. I don't want to hear you. You shouldn't want to hear you. Just empty your mind, empty your shell and exist and see how long you can exist without talking to yourself. Just shut up. And then tomorrow, shut up again. And for the rest of the week, just freaking shut up. Yeah. Don't make a freaking noise while you're out there sitting on the tree stump. And then once you've done that, go back home, do your thing, think about things, plan, plot, scheme, whatever. But when you go out in the bush and sit on the tree stump, freaking shut up and just see what shows up. Maybe you'll get to know yourself a little bit deeper. Maybe the peace and quiet in your mind will act as a great reset, even if it's only five seconds so that you can get some instant clarity on what it feels like to just exist with an empty mind mm. rather than constantly having a mind full of mind that doesn't allow you to be mindful. So for him, I would suggest if it's any kind of standard issue military career and it's any kind of standard issue military pace, he probably hasn't sat down a whole lot and shut up.
And so that's what he needs yep. to do to figure out the future, is my opinion. I could not agree more. And I was actually going to add on to the, your point with that. It may take time to figure out who you are. If you've been putting it off for 20, 30 years, be patient. I'll take the time, sit outside, shut your brain hole, <laughs> allow things to happen. Actually, we went out yesterday. Uh, my whole family went to oh, Elk yeah, Island. That's right. That's right. And yeah. we uh, had this great little moment where we found this big open parking lot that was completely empty with a good foot and a half worth of snow. And we started tromping through it and we got to mm. these big open spots. And I was like, hey, boys, watch this. And I just straight back into the snow. And then they, snow just, they just started laughing and they started thump. And then two seconds later, thump. And then in two seconds, thump. And I just sat there and I listened to it. And I looked at it, staring up at the sky, listening to the kids giggle and watching the clouds pass over. And I just was quiet. And it yeah. was. No need to overcomplicate it. Exactly. Um, but it, take, it takes work. You have to physically go out there. You have to, you know, per, kind of. Uh, well, work. Hang on a sec. Not that's, work. You need to right. be intentional. intentional. Well, there we go. Yeah, that's intentional right. about it. Um, and, and the work by, and you're right to call it work because that's how army goofs think. You know, that's just how we think. It is, yeah. But intention that costs you nothing because mm -hmm. your day to day, your millisecond to millisecond, we're all branching decisions. We're all always determining what's next. Good, bad, good, bad, good, bad, good, bad. Mm -hmm. And so it, it isn't any extra work to think this. I'm going to be present yeah, and see where it goes. That costs mm -hmm. you nothing other than the thought, but it's the thought that is the trick. It's the being cognizant that that's what you should be seeking is to intentionally exist in the real time. A hundred percent. We have a, we have a comment here from <clears throat> rooster 691. Lots of people that wear the uniforms for work, rely on that for their identity. And once you hang the uniform up, that core of you is now exposed to the world. That's a great way of putting it. The core of you is now exposed, exposed to the world. Cause I think that uniform really, I guess we use it to kind of shield ourselves from the world from being exposed we use that as a uh it's like a buffer if that makes any sense it does and and uh it's true that once you hang that up it's now you it's just you and the world <laughs> now i would like to just if you can leave that up because yeah rooster 691 brings up a good point and i get it and they he or she is right that that does occur however i just like to add a little bit of layer to it and then see what you think. Maybe Rooster will have a, a follow-on. And it's this. Yeah. Once you hang up your uniform, your core is now exposed to the world. Academically, I agree. But experientially, that's not what I've observed. And I'm not talking about myself. I'm talking about with others as well. Is your core to some degree is exposed to the world, but it's not your true sense of who you are. Mm. You're, you expose your raw emotions, your raw sense of who you are to the world. It gets, once the uniform is off, you're more exposed, but the exposure is more often than not truly who you are, because at that moment in that transitionary period, in that nebulous gray zone, there's a lot of processing that needs to happen. You're going from this to that. 
just that alone is enough to create disease is you're uneasy with Mm -hmm. what's going on. It's enough to create discomfort. It's enough for you to be not properly calibrated. And so this is the point where the core that's being exposed is maybe not truly who you are. It's the angry you. Because maybe you bounced out of the system when you hung up your uniform and maybe everything was going oh so well year after year, year after year, year after the even in your final year, everything went so well, it's so perfect, everything was awesome. And then as you're clearing out of your unit, one clerk gives you the stink eye and tells you, get out of here, you loser, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's it. It's all ruined. Maybe for one person, for one person, it all gets ruined because that's what you take away from the whole thing. Yeah. And then you attach to that moment and think, screw the army, screw the military, screw this and screw where I'm going, screw and now I'm angry. And I'm not saying that happens every time, but it's been my observation that it happens a lot. Mm-hmm. And so when you hang up the uniform, you have that identity. And then when you move onto, as a veteran, onto civilian street, your core is exposed more. But I don't believe that in every instance, it's your true core. The trick is to figure out, once you strip off the veneers of angry or sad or disappointed or whatever, once you once you strip those out, now you're at your core. And that's what the world will see. But I think initially the world sees some pretty angry people bouncing out of the system. A hundred percent. I actually, um, while you're talking about this, I got this image. There's this, I think it's an ad on a lot of the, <laughs> some of the stuff I'm, I'm doing. I see it regularly on my, on my phone, but it's like, it's a, it's a globe with a shield kind of around it. And I believe that the core itself is not fully exposed, but there's like a, there's a gap now, like you were saying, and that that can then be picked at and prodded at and poked and all of a sudden that's where the rage comes from at least in uh, my experience rooster does uh, carry on the armor you wear is more than just kevlar and plates including the weight which i think is for sure accurate um now this this goes into what uh when i was talking about philosophy it's actually very serendipitous that this all works out very nicely but hey uh, rooster if i just want to say this that I kind of feel like I could talk about that comment uh, for another day. So if mm-hmm. you've got any follow-ons or any whatever, if you've got any thoughts, I'd be curious. So absolutely, it's a great question or comment. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. If you, uh, if anybody out there does have questions, comments, put them in here in the comments while you're watching. Uh, we'll put them up on the screen. If you don't make it on the comments, by all means, hit me up in the DMs, and we'll, uh, I'll get it up stack on here, them. and we can actually stack it up and go through them. So. For those that don't know, I've been using this for the last little while, Daily Stoic Journal. Uh, it gives you little prompts every day, and you write in it twice a day, first thing in the morning, once in the evening. Um, and today's prompt was, am I standing with the philosopher or the mob? And I thought that was a really great question because what I actually wrote in here, uh, I'll, I'll quote it for you guys, is uh, I'm standing with the philosopher but not apart from the mob because the mob is made up of us. We're all a part of the mob until we self-actualize and start thinking deeper beyond ourselves. We are one 
always stardust uh, here for a brief explosion of life and exploration. And the reason I commented all the Did you write that? I did, yeah. Oh, look at you go. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but the the thought I had to go with what we're talking about is that when you're in the army, that's that's the mob, right? You drink the Kool-Aid, you do the stuff. You're, the mob rules. You're in the mob. You're part of that until you can actually stop and look up. And when you stop and look up and you start looking around and go, oh, there's other stuff other than wearing relish to work. Oh, there's other stuff than going to the field every three weeks, right? <laughs> you, you can, once you start actualizing that and start looking within, then you can explore from there. At least that's my thoughts on it. What are your thoughts? I think that... I could take this many directions, but I'll say this, the very, and I'm trying to be authentic. So I'll stick to my first thought that bubbled up in my head as you were talking. And it was Ryan Flavel's book, the patrol that jumped into mind. And it was a specific moment in the book and I'm not going to describe it. I'll just quickly paraphrase it. He's been on a long patrol. It's been a hard patrol. He's worn out. He's, he's exhausted. He's not, confused but he's not fully in the picture and he just feels like he's a tiny little cog in the machine of constant burden we'll call it and i'm paraphrasing you got to go read the book it's a lot more eloquent i'm not doing it justice but i'm simply categorizing it as such in order to make this point that at some point in the patrol he he can only look down like he's so tired He's like looking at his feet. And I've seen this time and time again in patrols. The patrolling spirit is the thing that keeps you with your head up and scanning your arcs, but not just scanning your arcs. It's considering the strategic and tactical situation in front of you. You're, you're forward thinking. You're not just a passive participant. You're an active participant if you've got the patrolling spirit everyone knows it sucks but you want to be there because you're into the suck that's the mm -hmm. patrolling spirit so when you get tired when you get beaten down and you want to look at your feet if you've got the patrolling spirit you look up and sometimes it's it's not an affectation it's not just a uh a, a, you're you're trying to pose by looking up you're actively looking up. Now you'll be tired and you might not be 100% looking out at your arcs, but you're making your best effort. Mm -hmm. And if you've got it in you, if you've been in the game long enough, if you've got enough skills, if you've got enough juice, now you're not just looking up. Now you're commanding the patrol and so on and so forth. So I thought about that moment in the book where he was dog tired, beaten down, hard patrol, et cetera. And he just, he, he just, he could only look at his feet. And so I think that's the important point. Um, if you want to not step out of the mob, but if you want to see what it looks like outside of the mob, you can't just look at your feet while you're in the mob. Mm -hmm. You've got to look up. And, and looking up isn't enough. That's just the first indication that you're going to pay attention. As you look up and start paying attention, now you've got to forward think. Now you've got to activate. Now you've got to get in the game yeah. and and figure out what is outside of the mob and almost actively step out 
look back at it and consider why you're in it, what you're doing in it, what it's doing, et cetera, et cetera. So at that point, if you step out and look back at the mob, it's your opportunity to philosophize. That's exactly it. That's what exactly what I was thinking. And the, uh, it's kind of hilarious. This is a, I'll go into a story from back in the day when I was in high school, which is actually probably when you were running around shooting guns and jumping out of planes. For sure. And, uh, um, and so I was, I think in grade 10, I was about six foot three. Um, and so I was a lot taller than most of my high school as a whole. And uh, I used to walk between classes and I would be a good head over top everybody which gave me a really interesting view of being able to get to class. I could see how the crowd was moving and I could kind of oh, slide yeah, right. in between. I've it never and... experienced it. <laughs> no, it's, it's a, it's a pretty cool feeling. The problem is this is what uh, happened a couple times. Actually, as I was walking, uh, I would get hit low and uh, like I would get shoulder checked as people didn't see me, but from the shorter people in school because I couldn't see them because they were below the crowd <laughs> and so there was below a, your horizon yeah exactly so there's and that that can happen a lot especially when you come out of uh the military and you first start looking around you first start like oh okay i can i can do things and i you know i have these skill sets and i'm gonna go i'm gonna be yeah let's go get some stuff and then you get hit from something you didn't see and that can derail you just as you were saying you know you get one bad comment uh and then you're back in the mob Instead of being up in the philosopher zone, right? And being able to look around and being able to, I'm going to use that more often, the philosopher zone. I like that. Good. <laughs> um, you know, being able to look up and continually scan the horizon and look for those holes and look for those gaps that you can slide in between. But you're going to get, you're going to hit from stuff that you can't see below the waves. That's just sometimes yeah, well, the way it it's, is. It's having a clear view of, of things. Yeah. You know, when yeah. you're, when you're in, when you're in the forest looking at all the trees, all you see is trees. But if you can climb a tree, now you can see the forest. You were literally a tall tree. <laughs> and, nice. and so so the idea being that if you can remove yourself from the obscured view and, and attain a clear view, that's really all we're talking about is a clear perspective on what's going on. And to step out of the mob and look back at the mob and recognize it for the mob that it is. And, 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 you know, that's cool. You're in the mob. There's nothing wrong with being in a mob. There's mm -hmm. nothing wrong with standing outside the mob, looking at a mob and thinking the mob's fun. I like the mob. The mob's good. I want to be part of the mob again, blah, 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 whatever. But the idea is that when you step and look back at what you're in or what you were in or what you used to be or what you might want to be, that's the point where you've got to philosophize and philosophize doesn't mean like the dime store philosophizer where you, you get your super nerd on and think that you're going to crack the, uh, the mysteries of the universe. Just take a moment mm -hmm. and, and even ask basic questions like, is that where I belong? Is that where I want to be? Where do I know what be next? If I wasn't there, where would I go? You've got to, simple questions that aren't the, the mysteries of the universe. I think that philosophizing or being a philosopher or think, thinking philosophically is sometimes considered to be, whoa, if you can't quote all of Socrates, then yeah. you ain't a philosopher. I, I disagree with that. Philosophizing or being a philosopher or a, a, a low-rent philosopher is just a matter of sit on the tree stump and shut up. 
yep. and then see what you think yep. after you've shut up and yep. and and be curious about yourself be curious about the world around you be curious about why you're in the mob be curious why you like being in the mob it's those moments where you take the time to not just think mob good mm -hmm. you've got to think deeper than that and the only way you'll think deeper is to take the time make the time practice making the time to understand the value of time in order to understand where you are and where you might need to go yeah i i could not agree i always i've always used the, the thought that to be a philosopher you have to be able to ask questions and then listen and you have to be an active listener to yourself which is challenging it's when challenging, you first start but that's why every time i do two lives per day I then rewatch them every day. There, I haven't missed a live chat since Jan 1. And I haven't missed reviewing live chats since Jan 1. Yeah. The only way to appreciate your mistakes is to review your mistakes. That's great. Yeah. Um, it, you know, we were doing that on the mats last night. And we were pressure testing for holes on transitions and stuff. And the uh, my professor was sitting there. He was rolling with us. And every time we left a hole open he would pop out and be like oh do you see that and i'm like ah, yeah saw that okay and then i'd have to make an adjustment because i don't want him to pop out of that hole but it you have to be able to think about it and take the ego that you should take the ego out of it right and go well i mean that couldn't have happened if but no just in okay. reality <laughs> in reality yeah. oh so what are you in right now this non-reality this is it right here um but yeah there's we could we could go into depth on this one we got to carry a continuing comment from rooster oh absolutely i'm restricted in how much i can type at a time especially at work this is an extensive subject i see frequently and went through myself absolutely this is a we could do a year's worth of collective chats on transitioning from the uniform that is 100 we could um we do have another one hunden 008 at its essence philosophy is thinking about thinking what do you think? I, at a cursory glance, I agree, if only for this reason, that if someone reads philosophy is thinking about thinking and it makes them think more, then I'm good with that. Because mm -hmm. in my opinion, philosophy is thinking more, not just thinking. You've got to want more. You've got to be curious. You've got to wonder what's at the bottom of the rabbit hole of whatever thought you have. And so thinking, thinking about, is that a rabbit hole? I think it is. Cool. What am I doing next? Oh, I'm over there. That's, that's a cursory glance. That's a cursory thought. You're thinking about thinking about a rabbit hole. And I know Hamden already understands this. So mm -hmm. I'm just academically checking off the box of the point. But if you stand on the edge of a rabbit hole and look deep into it and think, I want to know what's at the bottom of that rabbit hole, and then actually start going down it, now you're thinking deeper. Now you're thinking about what can I learn? Now you're thinking about curiously diving deeper into a subject. So thinking about thinking for me isn't enough because we all think mm -hmm. constantly unless you're sitting on the tree stump and shutting up. And so thinking about thinking, I like it.
because it makes mm. me think about the sentence. But the follow-on is think deeply, and now it's philosophy. Yeah, it really it it involves time, time, right? time, and just to sit and think. Because yeah, I like the way you put that. You can sit, look at a rabbit hole. Wow, that's a rabbit hole. Yep, <laughs> it's easy enough to do. Uh, well, and and to not make too fine of a point on it, you can stand on one good jabillion rabbit holes on the edge of it and kick a rock down it and watch it tumble and think, oh, that's another rabbit hole I just dived into. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, that's not what you did. Yeah. But that's how people can categorize things. That's how people can categorize deep thought is, yeah. dude, I went out and sat on the tree stump for two seconds. My arse got wet. I couldn't shut up. I tried meditation. It didn't work. Mm -hmm. mm, you thought about it but you didn't do it. You didn't do it long enough. You didn't go down the rabbit hole deep enough to actually call it a thing. Yeah. You didn't meditate. You thought about meditating. <laughs> the trick with meditation especially is that there is a connotation to it. There is a, you know, there's the, the monk sitting in the lotus position with For the fingers sure. up, Om, right? There's that thought initially. But there is, I read in a book at one point, I can't remember which book, but um, they said that meditation isn't the act of meditating. It is being within a meditative state and that a meditative state can be in many different things. You can achieve a meditative state riding down a mountain on your mountain bike. You can achieve a meditative state in on the jujitsu mats. You can achieve a meditative state on the shooting range. You can there's lots of places that you can find those states and, but it is an act. You have to intentionally find that state because it doesn't just happen. A lot of times people, I've actually heard people say that, you know, they'll just let themselves drift off and that's not in a meditative state because you're not intentionally doing what you're doing. You're just allowing your brain to wander. Yeah. You're phasing out, you're powering exactly. down, uh, versus <clears throat> intentionally being yeah, in executing that yeah exactly um you know there's two things there that i'd like yeah. to just mention just to add cl not clarity but just get people thinking about it is you'd said you know you're out on the range and you're you're trying to meditate maybe on the range or on a mountain bike or wherever and so i think that meditation is two things it is the active pursuit of meditating mm -hmm. and it is the active filtering of all white noise. And so if you get on the range and you're trying to enter into the flow state, you're actively pursuing a state of no mind. Mm -hmm. That's, that's an action that you're pursuing, trying to clear your head, but you've also got to actively reject all the white noise. Mm -hmm. So what I'm suggesting is this, if you want to pursue state of no mind, that's a one-dimensional effort to, to getting a state of no mind. But in reality, you'll never achieve a state of no mind by target locking on the outcome because the white noise will always follow along with you. So you've got to counter the white noise while executing against the outcome, which is state of no mind. Mm -hmm. And they've got to, you've got to do it in parallel. You, you can't, uh, maybe when you initially start, you can flip-flop between, oh, stupid white noise, get rid of that. Oh, yeah, what was I doing? Oh, yeah, I was state of no mind. Oh, stupid white noise. 
you might flip back and forth trying to narrow it down to a more autonomous process eventually, which is sit on the tree stump, shut up. Mm-hmm. And then it's done. But you can't do that on day one. You've you've got to really be cognizant of crippling the white noise that wants to keep bubbling back in your head. Well, when that guy said, and then that clerk said that thing to me. I mean, you you got to get rid of it. You can't mm-hmm. enter into a state of no mind if you're still focused on 27 years ago or 16 years ago or one year ago when the clerk flipped you off as the very last item before you stepped off the base. Yeah. You know what? I was likening it to um, the sword and shield. You know, when you, you see the, the armored, the typical... Uh, image of the armored knight with the sword and the shield, right? Or the whatever, whichever way the camera angle is working right now. Anyway, um, but you have to be, it's not an all out offensive. No, right? correct. Uh, of like, you're not just actively attacking correct. state of no mind. You have to be defending and attacking at the same time. And that's part of, uh, part of the, part of the deal. And well, you're, is... you've got to think like a participant in your own life. Yes. You know, it, it's it's not a passive unfolding. Life life will take care of itself for sure. Life will unfold in front of you for sure. And if you're not shaping how it's unfolding, it'll turn into whatever. Yeah. But if you're an active participant in shaping your real time, it'll turn into something that you're now in charge of. Yeah. Two different outcomes. It's very true. It is very true. This is one of the the tricks. I was also thinking about this is that, you know, when you're, when you're in the mob, it's very difficult to be aligned with yourself and be able to take time to go and meditate or find a meditative state or seek that because you need the quiet, right? You need to be able to, well, you can't say you need the quiet. No, you don't. It's, it's handy if you ha- do. helpful to have quiet yeah, mm-hmm. and to be a part of nature or to find a spot that you can uh, look for, look inward singularly um but the the trick is that in life especially in north america man there is noise everywhere and that being able to find those spots even amongst noise sometimes is required sometimes you have to take the time to um not just intentionally look inwards but to intentionally separate yourself from whichever mob you're a part of that it's mandatory Mandatory, you say? It's mandatory. You have to figure it out. You have to figure out how to separate yourself from the noise. I, I spoke about it yesterday. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a classic case of, you know, if, if you're in the military and here, here, this is why I said what I said yesterday, because it was uh, a reflection on how busy the military can be. We're always churning, always thinking, always plotting, always planning, always assessing, always predicting, always. The moment that the patrol stops, you're already pre-planning what's next. Yep. You're you're determining threats and risks and this and that, and your head is constantly going. You never shut up. Even in the silence of a ninja stealth patrol, you just never shut up. It's always real-time assessment and risk management. Always. It never shuts up. So there's 
you know, maybe if I sat down and thought about it a long time, I might be able to imagine a time where I literally zenned out, but I can't think of one because it was never taught to me. I didn't know it existed. Mm -hmm. I was so busy being busy that I thought busy was not only normal, it was mandatory because everyone around me was hustling and I was hustling. Yep. We were all hustling and everyone was on, on it sharp as a razor, bop, 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 banging it all out because we're on it. We never shut down. We were mm -hmm. always dialing the rotary dial to 11. So where do you learn it in the military? I think there's lots of opportunities in the military, even when things are a little crazy, even if you only get 30 seconds to yourself squatting down or whatever after a patrol or before the patrol, there's time in the military where you can zen out state of no mind, do a reset, see what's going on in you, get a better sense of who you are and how you're going to be impacted in the future by the way that you're feeling in the real time. The trick is someone's got to tell you that you can do it and then you've got to try it and then you've got to see what it feels like. And then you've got to see if you learned anything and then you've got to decide, am I going to do that again? And if you, and if you think, nah, I'm not really into it, that's a mistake. And it'd be my job as a senior NCO to look at you and say, that's a mistake. Give it another try. Let me know what you think next time. Let's talk next week. Let's talk next month, blah, blah, blah. But it's yeah. leadership or the troops around the person who isn't thinking, isn't trying to be a low rent philosopher. It's our job to encourage that kind of thoughtful action, to encourage higher intellectualism, I believe. Listen, I was a dumb infantry guy when I first started out. Day one, I was dumb as a brick. <laughs> I mean, you know the infantry. Just chewing on them crayons. Yeah, yeah. Most of us eat crayons. <laughs> yeah. But you got to find a way to not eat crayons. And then you got to find a way to like not hand out crayons to the troops. Then you got to find out a way to like, get everyone smarter around you. That's your job as a leader, I believe. Yeah. I uh, I heard this great, uh, I think it was an article I was reading actually, now that I'm really diving into my memory on this one, but it was a, uh, yeah, it was a reporter who was talking about some time that they spent in uh, a Buddhist temple somewhere. And they had, you know, gotten used to the the time there. So when they were going to meditate, there was, you know, the chimes and oh, the yeah, chanting yeah. Yeah, and yeah, the like, little signals. Absolutely. To kind of hit every marker. And then the reporter went home and tried to continue on doing the same things. But was constantly distracted. Traffic noises no and the house creaks and no chimes and things aren't happening the way they're supposed to. Right. So they were in a mob. And then they separated themselves from that mob, but tried to keep doing the same things and it wasn't working. And it wasn't until uh, they came to realize that those noises that were distracting were distracting at the beginning of the practice when they were at the temple, right? because they weren't used to that being the trigger to go, oh, right, then I do this and then I do this and then I do that. And, and while you were talking, it made me think about that, you know, a, a really good leader is going to first off tell you to do something more than once because for sure you can't you can't decide you can't make a very consistent um 
decision about anything from one experience. Correct. That's just not, that's just not okay. Um, but that's called not a trend. <laughs> exactly. That is one experience. It is an isolated incident. N equals one is what N it's called. N equals yeah. one. Yeah. Um, but the, the thing that I took out of that was the fact that if you have an experience and it's not good, okay, try it again, but under, in or under different control situations, right? Mm -hmm. If you, and then again, but you're learning from each one of those. And then you get to a point where you go, yeah, that's not for me. Like I could finish this year of writing in the, in, in this journal. Uh, and there are many other people that say journals are the way to go and you should write in a journal right. every day and you should, you could be part of that mob, but I might make it through this year and go, yeah, you know what? I, I put some work into it. I really tried, uh, to enjoy this and go, eh, it's just not for me. I didn't really gain what it was that I thought I was going to gain out of this. You did. You, you, you I just, did. yeah, you did. Yeah. And you will. And I will. And yeah. at the end of the year, you might say, oh, I didn't really get as much out of it as I thought. Maybe you didn't, mm -hmm. but you gained. And that was the entire purpose of it. Exactly. And it, exactly. it's not a matter of categorizing, wow, but I finished the journal and nobody hung a gold Olympian medal around my neck. Yeah. What? I thought I'd be an Olympian by the time I finished this journal. <laughs> nope. But you're smarter. And you know yourself better. You're it's more as thoughtful. Stoic. I'm now a stoic. Ha -ha. That's right. <laughs> well, you know, it wouldn't be a gold medal. Perhaps it might be a, you know, some some form of the green leafy crown around Ooh, your like a pointy uh, hat. Maybe <laughs> a wizard hat. <laughs> that that was the point I was going to get at was the fact that you know you can you can put a bunch of work into something and then say, okay, cool, I've learned something. Time to move on. Or time to dive further or yeah this is cool i'm gonna kind of keep doing it or you know there's there's many 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 options there are there are many options sadly there's so many options out there that most people default to the eh give it a try whatever what's next yeah, yeah. that was day three bro <laughs> you didn't try anything you quit before you started and yeah. that, it comes down to that it's a matter of prioritization whatever you're gonna do before you do it figure out how much you're going to kick its ass. Yeah. If you enter into something, you're like, eh, whatever, I'm just going to give it a try. Let's see what, let's see what happens. That is not the approach. The approach is, I think I'll give something a try, something new. Yeah. I think I'm going to see where it goes at an 11 out of 10. <laughs> Otherwise you're just dabbling. Otherwise you never even, you never even started. You didn't yeah. participate. You're not even a participant. You're a distraction to yourself yeah. and those around you. So before you go dabbling all over the place, before you start the first dabble, figure out how much you're in the game. It goes to goes back to the mob and the philosopher. This is the thing. If you want to be a philosopher, you, it's going to take you to looking up and looking around and being in the philosopher zone, right? But if you want to do something new, you can't stay in the philosopher zone. <laughs> you have to then kind of get into the mob. You have to get into the mob. You can't stand outside the mob and go, ooh, oh yeah, look what, look what they're doing. Cool. Oh, look what they're doing. Cool. Without ever actually diving into it. Because you don't know. It's just a cursory glance. Like someone could cursory glance over the collective. And in a moment where you and I are, you know, 
jibing like each right other now. Go, they're not going right to follow anything that we're talking and they're going to be like, right now we're just what chirping. is happening? Yeah, right? What are what are these fools? But now, like, if you set a trend, you have to take some time, dive into it. Go, oh, these guys are actually thinking about stuff. They're talking about stuff. They're talking to more than just themselves sometimes, right? Like, you you have to be in the mob. You got to give it some time. Exactly. Everything takes time. time. It's all trending. It's trends take time. And and depending on the circumstances, that time can be a minute. It can be a year. But trending is the active observation of an isolated piece of observation so that you can form it again, start to finish from now till then. Trending is, trending isn't done often enough. Yeah. Trending is a thoughtful observation of a timeline in order to see a pattern. I run my life on patterns, always have, always will. And, and patterns are simply this to me, observe it, trend it, form the pattern, adjust off the pattern. That's how I've run my life for a yeah. freaking long time. Really simple lesson, but a really powerful lesson. I, I've just recently started doing it and you're right. It is a, it's not only is it a, is it a lesson, but it is a tool. It is, it is a powerful tool that you get to utilize. Correct. Because now you can determine whether or not something is worth your time because your time is precious. <laughs> it is important, but it's only important and precious when you take the time to realize that it is important and precious. Otherwise, that's just, right. Away. Trends are trends will teach you or patterns will teach you how the world works. And if the world is confusing or if you feel like, you know, you're hard done by or whatever the case is, it's just because you're not seeing patterns. You you haven't you haven't trended, you haven't timelined, you haven't thought, you haven't understood how the world turns. The world turns in a way that most people don't understand. And I'm not saying that there's some sort of secret sauce or anything like that or there's a mystical clan of 12 guys who only understand how the world turns. I'm not saying that. The more you think, the more you know. The more you know, the more you understand, the more you see the patterns, the more it makes sense. And if it, if the whole world is bewildering as a 10-year-old, it's because you haven't had enough skin in the game. That's it. That's all. But as a 10-year-old, if you start paying attention to the details, you trend it out, you start looking for the patterns. Well, now you're going to be a smart 11-year-old. And by the time you're 21 years old, you'll be miles ahead of your peers yeah. who aren't paying attention to the patterns in the world all around us all the time. It is a, uh, it's an interesting thing. When you look back at, say, historical figures, even, say, philosophers like Marcus Aurelius or perhaps, you know, uh, Aristotle or Socrates or whatever, whoever you want to talk about in terms of uh, historical figures. Those people made realizations early enough to make changes. Mm, they started true. speaking about stuff. They started thinking about stuff. They started trending, patterning. They started finding patterns within something to be able to utilize it in a different way, which made them stand out from their peers because their peers were still in the mob wandering around, bumping into each other, not thinking anything of it. Whereas when you actually take the time to intentionally move forward with your life into what you want to do, you will stand, you'll set yourself apart 
Well, there's the trick. There's the risk. That is exactly it. That's the hard part. The hard part is if you want to improve the mob, whatever that means to whoever's listening to this right now, if you want to improve the mob, you got to keep at least one foot in the mob. Mm -hmm. You can't step out of the mob, don a white robe, stand on a podium and observe the mob. But I have a three-day course from <laughs> with my wizard hat. <laughs> and just like Marcus Aurelius wouldn't have done anything like that, it's mm -hmm. it's a, we'll say someone who's influential in history, at, at least my observation is this, they kept some skin in the game. Mm -hmm. At least the ones that I respect. I'm not talking about dusty librarians who've never had skin in the game. I'm talking about a foot in the dirt and probably a muddy foot, mm -hmm. preferably. Someone, I again, reading Ryan Flavel's book, they're just finishing it off this morning. Uh, there was a little moment in the book where he was talking about he'd just come back from overseas. He'd been back in country for a year and he was working at a a dog and pony booth at the Calgary Stampede where he's demonstrating, you know, all the various radios. This is a radio. That's yep. a radio. And he's just sitting there eight hours or whatever. You know how that goes. Oh, yeah. It sucks. Dog and ponies are the worst because he describes exactly what's worst about them. People coming up and saying, hey, is that a, oh, is that a helicopter? Hey, come on, let's go look at the helicopter, kids. And, you know, he's boring because he ain't a helicopter. And as he sat there baking in the sun, you know, observing society all around him, he says this, and I'm going to paraphrase. You'll have to read the book in order to get the precise words, but it's along these lines. As I watched the crowd go by, what I saw was a lot of fat people getting fatter, a lot of ignorant people proud of their ignorance, a lot of loose women who were trying to um, convince men in uniform to go out on a date, etc. And so he's looking at society moving in front of him, making the, the observation that there's a massive chasm between serving your country overseas and the world that we're working for here in Canada that is just quite happy to walk by at 300 pounds sucking back four corn dogs. Yep with zero understanding of how to spell Afghanistan. They don't care. They just care about pounding back another greasy hot dog. Yep. That's his, those are his words, not mine, but those are my beliefs as well. Yeah. Because anyone who's done any hard thing on behalf of their country, and here's the slippery slope, is when you finish doing that hard thing on behalf of the country and you step back into what I'll call quote unquote, the regular world and look around, nobody cares. Nope. No one even wants to hear. And that's fine, whatever. But it creates a disconnect, a dissonance yeah. of, are you kidding me? I just, I just made all of those sacrifices so that you can suck back another corn dog and flip me the bird. Mm -hmm. It's not great. No. And it causes problems. And so how to reduce that slippery slope well i would say go read ryan's book and start thinking about these kind of things because yeah. it doesn't have to be what you just flipped me the bird do you know who i am do you know what i did do you know i served that 
that shouldn't be the response. The response should be appropriate to the moment. And the only appropriate response requires time, requires contemplation, not knee-jerk reaction of, do you know who I am? It requires more philosophy than that. Not only days prior to the event occurring, but in the moment, you're supposed to learn from the moment rather than punching that guy straight between the eyes and then eating his corn dog. <laughs> yeah, you got to take the time to figure out how to manage the situation so that it's a positive outcome rather than a negative outcome. And I know that's difficult, mm-hmm. but that's our job. Yep. I, I have said it many times that it, as the as the minority here in Canada, as a veteran, um, <laughs> it's, it's our responsibility to show the Canadian public what it is like why what did we do what was it for why did I serve what and and to tell the stories because they don't hear <laughs> they don't hear the stories they hear the sound bites they hear the news broadcast they hear the the veneer of what it is to do the job and uh you know some of the questions yeah. we used you know I'm sure you've gotten this question too same thing is I've pretty much heard it from every uh veteran that's basically every veteran did you kill anybody ryan flavel talks about that precisely yeah. <laughs> as he's at the calgary stampede hey did you kill someone hey is that a helicopter and then they walk yeah it's a I mean, those uh, are it, his words it's a painful painful realization to be like they don't actually care correct now here's the thing yep. here's the thing and this yep. is super important i know we're going to be wrapping up here in a sec so as a veteran, if you find yourself in that situation, you now got a branching point. You either look at that person in the eye and say, hey, you know what? You're an idiot. Yeah. Or you say, no, nah, that's a good question. And, and I'd like to let you know that that's kind of not an appropriate question for any veteran. Mm-hmm. And here's why. Or, you know, I just want to let you know that it's kind of funny that you asked that question because everyone asks that question. But, you know, we don't like to talk about those kind of things uh, as veterans. Yeah, And so it's our opportunity to either get someone angry at all veterans or ease someone into a conversation about learning more about veterans. It's that classic branching point of, do you want to poison the well or do you want to grab a cup of water and give that person a glass of water and say, that's a good question. Yeah. And it only takes a handful of well poisoners to ruin it for all veterans. 100%. Um, it goes in the same line of gatekeeping, goes in the same line of, uh, you know, keeping others out. That's all you're doing is you're, you're yeah. keeping people at arm's length or farther or whatever. You're just keeping them out of the conversation rather than being a part of the conversation. And, you know, it's, uh, it's tough. Again, what you got to do. It's tough. Strip no one does ego. it right. Well, no just... one, no, no one gets out and does it perfect. Exactly. And you got to strip the ego away. Yeah. It does because it, it, that's not what it's about. It's not about you. They, they, you know, a single person's ignorance of a particular topic is not about Unless I'm getting a you. free corn dog. Maybe. I mean, you could ask and they might give you one. <laughs> or, but again, it's part of being part of the conversation. And being a part of the conversation is it requires intention. Same thing we were just talking it about, does. right? And, being open to the conversation, actively listening, doing all those things, being the philosopher within the mob. Yeah. Understand that you're representing the mob to some degree, yeah. but 
try to elevate yourself so that you're adding a little more value added. Yeah. Some nuance, some dare to say some educational benefit, perhaps. We're all trying to make the world better, aren't we? That's the plan. I mean, <laughs> that's the plan. <laughs> um, and, you know, that's the thing is as every day we get to learn, we get to build, we get to grow here on the collective. We can join together and learn from one another. This is what we do. So uh, at about an hour now, Sean, any final points, any last thoughts on the mob, no. the philosopher, the patrol, just anything? No, uh, I mean, one of my favorite uh, songs when I was back in the basic infantry, when I was just a young pup, mm -hmm. was Black Sabbath's The Mob Rules. Mm -hmm. I listen to that damn near every day. That's a good one. It's a classic mm -hmm. from the movie Heavy Metal. And so The Mob Rules, I've cranked that so many times. And you know, back then, what it meant to me was The Mob Rules. But now when I look back at it, I see it as The Mob Rules if they've got a good ruler mm -hmm. and the mob doesn't need a ruler, but it sure helps if there's a, a benevolent, wise, caring, shaping, good guidance mm -hmm. ruler. So the mob does rule with a good ruler is yeah. what I'll leave it at. That's a great way of putting it. I, uh, I think that's a great way to end it. We'll, uh, we'll talk to y'all tomorrow. Make sure that before you, uh, you leave this chat, you again, like subscribe, hit the notification bell so that you can join us every day here on The Collective. Chimo, y'all. Chimo.